0: Welcome to the Encounter Community Church Podcast, where we take God's Word and look at how we can utilize, practically apply it, and implement it into our lives. Welcome back to the Encounter Community Church Podcast. My name is Ken Butler, Jr. I am the pastor here at Encounter Community Church, and I wanted to take you on a journey with me. Imagine that you are in the seventh grade, you're living in Detroit, and all of a sudden, winter hits, and, and so you decide that you want to make a little extra money, and so this is actually my story from when I was a kid. I went to go visit my, I lived with my dad for a year, my, da- my mom and dad were divorced when I was two, so I would, you know, spend the summer here or there with my dad, uh, I actually lived with them for the third grade, and I actually went back and I lived with him for the seventh grade. So that seventh grade year, I experienced snow. And again, I did it in my third grade year as well, but you know, this is four years later, I'm a little bit older and I'm able to remember and I remember how excited I was to see the snow, which was really funny because here I am, this California boy who hadn't seen snow in about four years and living and and breathing and experiencing it like it is though it was a brand new experience for the first time. I was was so excited for the snow and my friends thought I was crazy because they were like, dude, it's snow, slushy, snow. I remember the, the first morning I woke up after it had snowed and I remember looking out the window and seeing everything coated in this beautiful white. And then the piece de resistance for that day was school was canceled <laughs> because of the snow. So school was canceled. So my dad had to work. So that day he actually took me over to his, his girlfriend's house. And so we, he drove me over there. I'm hanging out with her son. And so we decided, hey, let's make some money. We're out of school today. Let's go ahead and just shovel snow. So we grabbed a couple sho- uh, a of shovels and we went to different neighbors' houses and we knocked on their doors. Remember, I don't know if I would let my kid do that now. Just because of, unless I really knew the neighbor, but just because of the way the times are now. But you know, when we were kids back in the 70s, <laughs> when I was a kid, you know, it was footloose, friends, and free. You just went. So we went and knocked on the different neighbors' doors and asked them if we could shovel their snow uh, and then what they would do, and then we charged them. I think we charged them, I wanna say, five bucks to shovel their snow, which I realize now, for them, that was a deal. (laughs) But Junior and I, that was the kid's name, we went and we shoveled snow and we were happy about it. And by the time we were done, We looked, and we had enough money to go to McDonald's and to go to the movies. So that's exactly what we did. We went to McDonald's, and I remember I would get, because back at that time, I loved the filet of fish So I would get the filet of fish sandwich and fries. And usually I would get a shake or something like that, or, you know, depending on how much extra we had. And then we would go to the movies. And we actually did that several times over the course of that winter. It was just such an incredible experience for me to be able to do and us to be able to do together and to have this money earned, go to get your filet of fish you know, good, good stuff. Well, now, fast forward to years later, and I had been to McDonald's since then, but I had not gotten a filet of fish And I remember going to McDonald's one day and thinking, you know, I remember I used to like— this filet of fish So I want to say this was probably, it was started when I was in the eight when I was in the seventh grade, right? So seventh grade, we're looking at me being what, maybe 13, 14, maybe 12. So then we fast forward to, let's say it's, I I think it was like in the 90s. I went to McDonald's with a bunch of friends and they had the filet of fish there and there was a deal on the, on the fillet of fish, which is why I got it. I think it was you could buy two fillets of fish, which is something I just shouldn't have done. Those are the things. Don't you miss the days as a kid when you could just eat anything you wanted to eat and it had no effect on your body whatsoever? Now I look at a fillet of fish and, and I put on like eight pounds. <laughs> you know But I got I remember I bought two fillet of fish, an order of fries, and a shamrock shake. That's right. It was, it was, in, it was in March. so in a shamrock shake. And so like I said, this was the 90s, so I had to be in my 20s or so. And I remember biting into that filet of fish sandwich, and I didn't like it. It didn't live up to the memory that I had when I was a kid. There was just something about it that just was different. It just wasn't the same. We're in the middle of a series that we've been doing called Next Level Love. And what we're doing for this series is we're looking at how to be able to have the best friendships, relationships, partnerships uh, that one could have. And and so it's based off of uh, what's called the relationship attachment model that was designed by a guy named John Van App. uh, John Van App, he's a Christian therapist. And he came up with this model to really help people understand how to build healthy relationships. And the idea of the healthy relate is that the relationships follow a natural progression. So the first level of relationship is no, the second level is trust, the third level is rely, the fourth level is commit, and then the fifth level is touch. So again, no, trust, rely, commit, and touch. So last week we talked about commit, and I do want to apologize. Uh, I wasn't able to record the podcast last week. It was just, it was just a crazy week. I had a wedding, had some things going on. So I just, it was, it was crazy week last week, but I'm back. I'm back. (laughs) So so, uh, we're back this week. So we looked at, in this series, we've looked at no trust, rely, commit, and I just want to encourage you and and we're looking at touch today, but what I want to encourage you to do is if you missed any of these, please go back and watch the live streams and listen to the podcast. Because together they do create a complete idea, a complete thought for the week. Uh, Unfortunately, last week the thought was incomplete, (laughs) but this week is complete. So I want to encourage you to go back and and, and take a look at that. And so we spent time talking about touch. It's so important for us to get this. If we begin to develop aspects of the relationship that are outside of the natural progression. So let's say, for example, we, we go straight to touch. Like we go straight to touch or straight to a sexual relationship with someone before we really know them, before we have had a chance to find out their character, which is about trust, before we had a chance to see if they're dependable, which is rely. And before we've had a chance to say, you know what, I am committed to you. We go straight to touch. Uh, What John Van Epp says is that superseding that progress or that progression actually causes us to open the door for potential emotional pain. And it is true. I I wish I would have known this back when I was younger, Because I can go back and I can look at some of the emotional pain that I've experienced in my life. And the truth is, it's when I took elements of this model out of its natural progression, when I kind of superseded the process. And unfortunately, it was in the area of my sexuality uh, when I was was younger. So there's some regrets, you know, that I have, I, I wished that. I would say that one of my greatest regrets is I wish that I would have saved myself from marriage. I think it would have saved me a lot, of, a lot of headaches. So last Sunday, we just talked about touch in general. So I want to encourage you to go back and to watch that because with touch, you see that every relationship, and that was one of the things that we said on Sunday, is touch indicates a progression in the relationship. So if you close a deal, you shake hands. When someone is your best friend, you greet them differently, you do the bro hug. You know, when you have someone that's a really good friend compared to meeting a stranger. And then, of course, in dating and in marriage, dating is a different kind of touch. And in marriage is a different kind of touch. And typically in marriage, it can move towards sexually. Sometimes in dating, it can move towards sexuality as well. So what we're going to do today is we're going to spend more time looking at the dating aspect and the marriage aspect of touch. So we're going to be talking about sex this afternoon or evening or morning, whenever you're listening to this podcast. And I think one of the reasons why it's so important, because I don't think as a church we, we talk about sex enough. We really don't. And I think in the past, sex was kind of treated as a taboo subject at church, right? It, was, it wasn't something that you talked about. There's actually a story of, of, of a men's group, and they invited the pastor to come and talk to the men's group about sex. They, they wanted his insight. And so he was excited about the opportunity, but he was actually a little bit embarrassed about what he was going to be talking about as well. So his wife asked him, his wife says, hey, so you're going to be talking to the men's group this week, right? And she, he said, yeah. And she said, well, what are you going to be talking about? And again, he was embarrassed, and he didn't want to embarrass his wife by letting, him know, letting her know that he was going to be talking about sex. So he said, well, I'm going to be talking about sailing. And she's like, sailing? And he was like, yeah, I'm going to be talking about sailing. And she kind of looked at him funny, but she's like, all right. So then the men's group happens and everything. And after that, she actually sees one of the men from the church. She's at the store. She sees one of the men from the church. And, and so she asked him about, her, about his experience. She's like, my, my husband met with you guys this week, right? And he was like, yeah. And she said, my, my husband talked to you guys. He was like, yeah. And, and she said, well, how did it go? And he said, you know what? He handled it he handled it with such grace and such compassion and he 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 just gave so much incredible wisdom and she looked at him and she said my husband and she said he said yeah she said well that's that's weird because he's only done it twice and the first time he got seasick <laughs> So it's just one of those things where it's just one of those, it's one of those areas where in church, we really don't talk about it as much as I think that we should. We don't talk about it as much as I wish we had, because I think if there were some things that I knew in my past, if there were some things that I knew when I was in high school and college, uh, there may have been some different choices that I would have made that may have protected my heart and may have protected the heart of the person that I was involved with. So here's what we're going to do is we're going to dive right in. We're going to get really real about this. And I really do hope that for you, it's going to be an encouragement. So if you know someone who is single, encourage them to listen to this. If you know someone who is dating, encourage them to listen to this. If you are dating someone, maybe listen to this together. And also at the end, we are going to talk about something that's really important for married couples who are struggling with the sexual nature of their relationship. So don't tune out. And and maybe there's some things that you'll gain that will help you in being able to grow and and have a healthy view towards sex and sexuality in your relationship. But in in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, it says, This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. And the two are united into one. One of the things that I learned when I was researching the whole idea of commitment is that you have people that struggles with, it's called gamophobia, which literally means the fear of commitment. And, and they said that, you know, there've been studies that I have read that talked about like the rise of this fear. And, and part of that is people, they tend to put marriage off longer. Uh, they tend to decide they wanna live together There's even as a result of this fear of commitment, there has been a rise in the idea of casual sex in relationships, the acceptance of casual sex in relationships as well. That's that's kind of part of our society. And it's almost an expectation now, right? That it's it's almost an expectation that if you're going to date someone, that you're going to have sex. Matter of fact, the question is that that, you probably have heard this, how many times... Do you go out on dates before you have sex? How many times do you do that? Why? Because it's such an expected part of the relationship. As a matter of fact, I've heard of people putting pressure on their partner because they think that the relationship has progressed to the next level. And the next level should be that we have sex with one another. Now, here's the thing about this. When we look at this idea of sex and and even casual sex, and and of course, casual sex does not include the dynamic of relationships, but it is important to to understand this. With the rise of casual sex, the, the, the problem with it is that sex is just seen as physical. It's just seen as, hey, let's do this act together, we'll have some fun, and then we'll just move on and we'll be fine, you know, kind of thing. But here's the danger of casual sex there is a risk that is involved with it there's actually been studies and what they have found is when you begin to have casual sex with people casual sex in and of itself can become addictive it can become addictive so what happens is you have sex with this person and you're looking for that high that you get from sex you're looking for the release of the dopamine you're looking for the release that comes with climaxing Real, right? We're getting real. <laughs> but you're looking for the release from that. And, and from that, you're, you're looking to get that high that comes with it. Well, the problem with that is you can become addicted to the high and the result then becomes is you value sex above connecting and building relationship with that person. So it, it really can become very addictive in nature. They've also found this, which is really interesting. They've also found that when, when people are more sexually active, that there actually is an increase in the level of depression that they have. But, but the other thing that they have found is people that are sexually active, maybe not even necessarily casual dating, but maybe there's serial monogamy where they are looking to be involved in a relationship with the person, but that relationship ends so they jump into the next relationship with the person. And in each one of those relationships with serial monogamy, sex is or can be involved. And and what they have found is that it becomes more difficult to have long-term relationships due to what happens to your soul when you are involved in multiple relationships. The illustration that I, that I saw someone use once that I thought was a really great illustration was Velcro. Remember when you, when you were kids and you got Velcro shoes? Remember how that Velcro just stuck to everything? <laughs> you know, your shoes would be, you, you lay down, your shoes would be stuck to your sweater, your shoes, it would it would just stick to everything. But then, you know, attach, 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 and attach a pull apart, attach, pull apart, attach, pull apart. After a while, you begin to notice that the Velcro didn't bond so well. It didn't stick so well. Over the course of time, you begin to limit its ability to be able to bond. Well, that is a great picture of what it's like sexually, is each time that you are involved with a new partner, What you're doing is you are minimizing your ability to be able to connect and possibly hindering your ability to develop a long-term relationship. So that's why the idea that, that we're trying to get and that we really want you to understand is God does have boundaries for sex. He does. But I really want you to understand this, that God's boundaries for sex are to protect your heart, not to control you. God's boundaries for sex are to protect your heart, not to control you. See, God knows. God knows the way that he designed you. And he knows what happens when you are sexually active and you keep bonding yourself. Because what happens in sexuality is you actually partner with this person that you connect with. Genesis 2.24 again, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. So every time you have sex with someone, what you are doing is you are not uniting into one. So here's what that also means, is once you unite into one with that person, even if it's a casual uniting, then that also means that every time you break away from that person, you have united yourself. And so when you leave that person, you leave a piece of yourself with that person. That's why you minimize your ability to be able to bond and to connect. See, why does God have these boundaries? Again, God's boundaries for sex are to protect your heart, not control you. There was actually a study that was done, and and what they did was they studied 3,000 men across four different countries, and they wanted to see if there was a link between premarital sexual behavior and extramarital affairs. That's what they wanted to find. What they began to find out shocked them. Proportionally, the more sexually active a man was, The more likely he was to have an extramarital affair. And then, since then, more studies have been done. And women, you're not off the hook. You know, they found the same thing about you as well. Is that the more sexually active you are, the more likely. I'm not saying it's guaranteed, I'm not saying it will absolutely happen, but the more sexually active you are, the more partners you have, the more likely it is that you will have an extramarital affair. Now, I, I know what it's like. I, I, know, I know what we say. Well, when I get married, things will be different. Things will be different. I'll change what I do. I'll change how I act. I will stop going out. I'll stop doing all these things. I will be different. And I know so many people have said that. Maybe not necessarily about sex, but maybe when, when I get married, I'll be di- different in the way that I handle my money. Uh, when I get married, maybe I'll be different in a way that, I mean, we can go through the list of things that we say that we will be different. I'll be different in the way that I talk. I'll be different in the way that I respect, I mean, we can go through. But one of the ways that we also say is when I get married, what I will do is I will not have as many, I will not have other partners outside of my marriage. Here's the thing that happens with marriage. You really have to do the hard work before the marriage happens. Because what you carry into your marriage will also tend to stay in your marriage unless you do the significant work to be able to try to remove it. But if you carry it in, it's like that whole old thing. I once saw a meme that I thought was really great. And the meme was a guy, he was standing at the altar and he was holding a trash bag. And you see the bride kind of lean over and she's looking at the trash bag. And then you see the priest in the background and the priest has gone through the vows and it was at the end, it was just says, say I do. And she's looking at the man and she's looking at the trash can and 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 you can see like she's inquisitive. Like, do I wanna marry this guy with all of his trash? Because it is true, whatever we have in our lives, we bring into our marriage with us. And so it's important for you to realize a change in your profile, a change in your singleness, a change in your availability doesn't guarantee a change in your actions. It's not like, miracle, like, like marriage is a miracle drug. So it's something that you really have to begin to, to understand. Now, now why does God want to protect your heart? Why, why go through this progression? Why go through this part where I get to know someone and then from my, once I get to know them, then I look at their character to see if they're trustworthy. Then once I see if they're trustworthy, I get to a point where I can rely on them. And then what happens is once I begin to rely on them, then we make a commitment because if you let me, then you should have put a ring on it. Right? Oh, 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 Okay, that's, that's enough. <laughs> but, but we have that. So there's that commitment. And then there is touch. That's the way that it was designed to be. And and, and here's one of the reasons why. Sex actually imitates intimacy. Let me say that again. Sex imitates intimacy. Because it goes back to what I said. The two are united and the two become one. So because you are now physically giving yourself to this person where, where you are uniting physically, uniting emotionally, where you are uniting mentally, where you are uniting spiritually. So you're having all of this uniting. Actually, it's happened in my own experience in my past. So I'm speaking from personal experience here. But when you physically give yourself to that person and now you start to have sex, what you notice is talking begins to minimize. And as a matter of fact, it begins to things begin to center around coming together to be sexually active with one another. I love what it says in Song of, Songs, or Song of Solomon, chapter eight, verses one through four says, oh, I wish you were my brother who nursed at my mother's breast. Then I could kiss you no matter who was watching and no one would criticize me. Now, I know that that sounds kind of creepy. <laughs> I don't, don't want to kiss my sister. It's just weird. But here's what she's really saying. This is a woman speaking. What she's really saying is, I wish that we were so deeply connected. I just, I just wish that. I would bring you to my childhood home and there you would teach me. I would give you spiced wine to drink, my sweet pomegranate wine. Your left arm would be under my head and your right arm would embrace me. And then verse four, and this is powerful. Promise me, O woman of Jerusalem, not to awaken love Until the time is right. Promise me not to awaken love until the time is right. So see, what happens is when you are looking at the relationship attachment model, you get to know someone, you get to know who they really are, you get to know their struggles, their wrestles, and from there you can decide, am I ready to go to the next level where I start to look at your character? Who are you? And then I begin to see, like, are you reliable? Are you dependable? Are you trustworthy? Are you? I begin to see those elements, like, are you someone whom I know that I can trust? So, for example, once we're married, then I know that when I go on that trip, I know that you will be home and that you won't have an affair with me, or that an affair with someone else. Or when I'm on the trip, you won't have to worry about me having an affair with someone else. I want to know, are you trustworthy? And then once you know they're trustworthy, then you can know: can I rely on you? Can, can I really begin to depend on you, you? And you start to take steps to do that. And then you be, you begin to see that wow, this person is dependable. They, they do show up. They do follow through on their promises. They do follow through on their commitments. And, and then you begin to see like wow, I, I think I'm ready to take that next level. And you get down on your knee and you ask, "Will you marry me?" And then from there, the next level would be touch. Now, the beauty of that is you're building intimacy with one another. You're building that connection. You're building oneness with each other. But what happens is once you give yourself sexually to your partner, then that seems to imitate the connection that would come from talking and sharing your soul and really bonding with one another. That seems to imitate The learning of trust and dependence and reliability, it it, it short circuits that. So then what happens is you marry this person and then you're shocked by what it is that you learn or what it is that you experience. Let me tell you, when you give yourself sexually to someone, it also becomes easier to ignore the red flags that will present itself in the relationship. It becomes easier to ignore them as well. So this is one of those elements where you can really get to know someone. And women, this is really important. This is one of the things that can protect you. And I'm talking about protecting you from date rape. Because what happens is if you slow down and then you allow yourself to go through this process and then you're asking yourself, is this guy trustworthy? Can I really depend on him? And then you begin to see that his character is one where he has an inability to accept the word no. He could never take no for an answer. And you begin to see that. Because here's the truth, is if he can't take no for an answer outside the bedroom, he's going to have a difficult and impossible time to take no for an answer inside the bedroom. So actually following this process, women, is, is a great way to help protect yourself from date rape and if you have been an unfortunate victim of this i really want to encourage you to maybe get some help find a counselor so that you can heal you want to make sure that you don't take that into your future relationship or to your next relationship or if you're married and you haven't dealt with that please go see a counselor and get help and work through the process and work through that pain, because that does the sec- that does affect the sexual nature of your marriage and your ability to be able to give yourself to your husband. So please get the help that you would need so that you can begin to move forward. Please, please, please do that. But this is one of those things that you can do to be able to help protect yourself. Now I want to make this really clear. Let me make sure that that you are that you understand what I'm not saying. I am not saying that date rape is a woman's fault. I am not saying that because the truth is a man must be able to respect his partner and respect the person that he is with. And when she says no, no means no. So there's there's a reason for date rape. You are called a victim. So I, I just want to make that really clear as you listen to this. I am not saying in any stretch of the imagination that date rape is your fault. And that it was your fault. I am not saying that. All I'm saying is if you're able to slow the relationship down and really be able to allow yourself to to get to know that person, you may be able to protect yourself and realize like, oh, I should not be alone with this guy because he can't accept no for an answer. Here's the other thing about sex before marriage that you want to be aware of. And this has happened. I've seen this happen repeatedly. And that is it, it makes you want more then your partner is ready to deliver. Think about how many times have we seen a couple that is involved in a sexual relationship and one is ready to progress and, and go deeper, but the other one is, is not. They're just not at that point yet. They're just not there. I love what it says in Song of Songs, chapter 5, beginning in verse 2. It says, I slept, but my heart was awake when I heard my lover knocking and calling. Open to me my treasure, my darling, my dove, my perfect one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of the night. But I responded, I have taken off my robe. Should I get dressed again? I have washed my feet. Should I get soiled? My lover tried to unlatch the door, and my heart thrilled within me. I jumped up to open the door for my love, and my hands dripped with perfume. My fingers dripped with lovely myrrh. As I pulled back the bolt, I opened to my lover, but he was gone. My heart sank. I searched for him, but I could not find him anywhere. I called to him, but there was no reply. When you're ready to progress to the next level, but your partner isn't. You open the door, you're excited, you're you're ready to connect, and all of a sudden they are just not available for you. So again, being able to wait is another way for you to be able to protect yourself. And inevitably, it does happen. I've seen it in so many relationships where even if they have an agreement at at one point where, hey, this is just a casual thing. We'll just get together. We'll do this casually. Uh, there are no expectations or anything like that. What happens is inevitably one will get to a point where they want something more. We're now just coming together and having sex is just not enough. It's just not enough. And now because you have superseded the natural progression of building that relationship, now what you've done is you've set your heart up for hurt. You really have. Here's the other thing that you have to decide, to. I-, I love what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. It says, you say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say food was made for the stomach and stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't, say that our, you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power just as he raised our Lord from the dead. It goes on to say, don't you realize that your bodies are actually part of Christ, parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scriptures say the two are united into one, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. And and let's make this a modern translation. Not only a man who joins himself— to a prostitute, but a woman who joins herself to a man whore, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> maybe that's a strong word, <laughs> but you don't, to a, a gigolo, there we go, a woman who attaches herself to a gigolo. Here's what this is simply saying, as you begin to connect with this person, or connect with future people, what you do is you short circuit your future marriage. You really do, you short circuit your future marriage. Because you're taking things out of its natural progression. You're taking things out of its natural design. So here's the question that you have to ask yourself. What kind of marriage do I want? What kind of marriage do I want? Wouldn't you agree that what you do today lays the foundation for what you will have tomorrow? I mean, just think about that. What you do today lays the foundation for what you will have tomorrow. And doesn't that apply? Like, think about that financially, right? I want to invest. I want to save. Why? Because the way that I manage my money today affects retirement. It affects my future. It affects my ability to buy a home. It affects my tomorrow. Or I I want to take care of myself physically because if I don't, then in my future, there may be heart disease, high blood pressure, or hypertension, diabetes. like We could go through the list. What I do to myself physically today lays the foundation for what I will be like physically tomorrow. What about in our career? Isn't that the reason why we go to college? We we go to college because we want to find a career. We want to lay a foundation for that career. Then once you find out what that career is and you begin to do that job, what you want to do is you want to find out what it takes for you to be able to manage that job successfully because you want to grow. You want to develop. You don't always want to be Uh, you know, a a rookie trainee employee. No, you want to progress to the point that maybe one day you are the CEO of your own business, right? (laughs) You want to progress, you want to grow. But you know, what you do today lays the foundation for what you will have tomorrow. It works the same way in marriage. It works the same way. So if you really want to have a great marriage, then you want to look at what are you doing to lay the foundation for that. That's why when you look at this progression and you think, wow, I want to take my time, get to know him, get to know her, see if she's trustworthy, see if he's trustworthy. See if if this is someone that I can rely on and I can depend on. See him or her in her weaknesses and his struggles and his wrestles and her wrestles and see their resilience, see their commitment. Are they teachable? Are they committed? Will they grow? Do they serve others? Looking at the character, do they demonstrate the kind of character of the person that you want to be with when you get married? But the question is, do you have the kind of character for the kind of person that you want to be when you get married? So this is the beauty of understanding this. I I, I am. I'm laying the foundation. So if you lay the foundation where you are sexually active with one another prior to your marriage, then... Let you, just let you know, you are short circuiting your ability to be able to have incredible conversations, possibly great romance, all those other elements in your future as well. You're laying the foundation for the kind of marriage that you possibly could have. I just wanna sum it up with this by saying less is more. Less is more. So here's what I found out in my personal life. When I was able to remove the sexual component in my relationships, you know what it did is it actually increased the romance component It increased my, my talking component because now I, I, I wasn't, my goal wasn't to bed you, to show you that I love you. So I had to figure out creative ways to be able to do that. It actually increased the romance element and you may find that continue on in your marriage. Here's also the thing that you'll find if you're able, To practice self-control when it comes to sexuality before marriage, it actually also increases your ability to make better judgments about the person that you're with and its direction and moving forward. Uh, Here's another one as well. Practicing this level of self-control also increases your self-image and your value. Because it is true. Hey, if you don't want to put a ring on it, then (laughs) you're not worth me. You're not worth me because I want a man that's going to respect me. And I want a woman that's going to be respected. I want a man that's going to trust me and I want a woman that's going to be trustworthy. I want a man that is going to serve me. And I want to be, a, you know, I want to be with a woman who's going to say like, like, we can go through the list of what it is that we want. And if your desire to be with me, but not respect me, cause that's the thing. If a man or woman is pushing you to have sex in your relationship, You have to raise that issue is do they really value you? Now, here's the thing. Do you value yourself? Do you value yourself? You are incredible. You are made by God. He has a vision for your life. You have purpose. You have a personality. You have gifts. You have talents. You have abilities. You are the son of a king. You are the daughter of the king. And so as a result of that, you must determine that I will be treated with honor, dignity, and respect. Actually practicing self-control before you get married raises your own personal value of yourself in your own eyes. In his book, How to Avoid Falling in Love with Jerks, this was something that John Van Epps said, and I thought this was really powerful. He said, what it does, too, is it actually increases sexual compatibility in your marriage. So people say, well, well, wait, 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 Ken. Don't we need to have sex before we get married to see if we're sexually compatible? No. That assumes that the only component of sex is physical. It assumes that. But as I said before, sex is emotional, it's mental, it's spiritual. So just think about this. If you think that you are physically compatible, but then you get married and you start having spiritual problems in your marriage, you start having mental problems, you start having relational problems in your marriage, emotional problems, do you think that's gonna affect affect you sexually? Absolutely. Now, going back, if you're able to practice self-control, you know what, what you do is you lay down a foundation so that you can talk about anything. So when you do have problems in your marriage sexually, you laid the foundation for you to be able to talk about it and process it and work your way through it and deal with the problems in your marriage that's inhibiting you to be able to connect sexually. So I really do hope that this has been, uh, this is something I really want my kids to listen to because I think it's gonna help them in making better choices. Because I, I wish I had known this. If you have kids, maybe when they're at the point where they're old enough to hear this, maybe play it for them and then discuss it and, and, and talk about it and, and, and work through it together. Because maybe they'll make some different decisions that will help them to be able to protect themselves. I wanted to wrap up with this. What if you are married and you are struggling sexually? What's the solution for that? Well, in John chapter three, verse three, Jesus said this. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God so the idea of being born again is is, is restoring your relationship with God. So what if we took the same mentality and applied it to marriage? What if you had a born again marriage? So the whole idea of being born again, right, is I look at myself, I look at my faults, I confess my sin, I seek to grow and develop and change, become a better version of myself. What if I took that and applied that to my marriage? So what do you do if you are married and are having sexual problems? I would say start from the beginning. Go back to know. Hang out. Date. Don't worry about the sexual component. Just hang out. Date. Get to know one another once again. Because odds are, if you have reached this level, you probably have become roommates. You're just kind of existing together. So this is a process where that can be restored. Also, work on your character. If we're talking about the second level of being trust, work on your character. What can I do? Because again, a lot of times when we're trying to fix our marriage, we're actually trying to fix our partner rather than working on us. But what if we did the exact opposite? What if we worked on ourselves? Maybe what that might do is if you change, your partner has no choice but to change. Why? Because you don't argue the way that you used to. You don't fuss the way that you used to. You don't fight the way that you used to. You do things differently. So maybe begin to work on you. So imagine if you work on you and your wife works on her, or you work on you and your husband works on him to become trustworthy. And you begin to see the changes in their character once again. When you begin to see the changes in their character, it draws you in, it wants you to connect, and it opens the door for you to eventually maybe want to give yourself to your husband or to your wife physically once again. Start building reliance. Start showing how you're dependable. Start working on that. Start following through. Start doing the things that you say that you're going to do or that you were going to do. Maybe go through counseling together and be committed to that. Be committed to saying, hey, we're going to do what is best for our relationship. And show that, wow, because odds are if you are struggling sexually, one of you have gotten to a point where relationally you can't depend on your partner to be able to be there. So you've stopped giving yourself sexually because you want to protect yourself and you're trying to protect yourself from your partner and trying to protect yourself from your disappointment. So what if you change that with your husband or with your wife, and you started to say, say, hey, what are the things that I need to work on to make our marriage better, and I do that. And now I show that I can be dependent to work on those things. That also makes you attractive. And maybe recommit to the marriage. Maybe go to, to Vegas or take a special trip Go to Tahoe or something like that and renew your vows. Go back and and, and just recommit yourself to your marriage once again and just kind of restore that. And then what I would say is if you are in a situation where you have not been sexually connected with one another, I would say take your time. Don't rush the sexual component of your relationship. Maybe just start with just spending time together, just holding hands, getting used to touching one another once again. And maybe the next level might be that you just cuddle, not sexually, just cuddle and just hold each other. And then maybe the next level from that might be where you hold each other, but you're nude. When you, I know this is, I'm getting, you're like, are you blushing? <laughs> but you hold each other and you're nude, but it's nothing sexual yet. You're just experimenting. You're, You're getting to know one another's body once again. And then once you feel that you are ready to give of yourself, be very careful with the expectations in your mind because it may be the very first time that you've connected sexually in weeks, months, maybe even years. So it may be awkward and weird and everything at first but you've laid this new foundation and you're building something incredible together once again. And you're slowly building your way back into intimacy. Well, I hope that this has been an encouragement to you. I really hope that you have maybe been able to see sex a little bit differently, uh, to understand why God gives you certain boundaries. And again, as I said before, God's boundaries are to protect your heart, not to control you. So I really do hope and pray that that is your experience for you and for your life. So again, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. Thank you for joining me. I really do hope that this has been an encouragement to you. I hope maybe this has been eye-opening in some ways. Maybe you'll look at sex differently. Like I said before, I wish that I would have had this when I was younger. It would have helped me make a make a ton of less mistakes than I would have in my life or fewer mistakes I would have in my life. I I just wish I had this then. But thank you for allowing me to be on this journey with you. If you're listening on our website, please go ahead and head over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else where podcasts may be available. Find us there, subscribe, or follow, and that when we post a new podcast, you'll be one of the first ones to be notified about it. And next week, we're starting a, a brand new series called Ever Wonder Why? Ever wonder why? And and here's what we're looking at. Here's the first question that we're asking. Ever wonder why God lets bad things happen? Why does God let bad things happen? So that's what we're going to explore this week. Please, please, come on Sunday. I'm going to have a special guest come and share his story of his process with God. You don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it. I'm telling you. But I'm really excited about this brand new series, and we we will start this. Next week. Well, again, thank you so much. God bless you. And again, Encounters is about three things. Love up, let's fall madly and passionately in love with God. Love out, let's love our neighbors as yourself, as ourselves. And love in. If we're loving God and loving others, we'll find things we love about ourselves. Well, God bless you. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for joining us for the Encounter Community Church podcast. If you could do us a favor, whatever service it is that you're listening to this podcast on, please rate and review us. If there's anything that we can do better, please let us know. But by rating and review, it also make our podcast easier for others to be able to find. If you would like to support us at Encounter financially with what it is that we're doing to make a difference in our community, whether it's the mobile food bank, whether it's serving at North High School, or making a difference, again, in our community, feel free to head over to our website, encountercommunity.church. Click the link that says online giving. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way when we post new live streams or new vlogs, you'll be updated. As well as please head over to Facebook and like our page. That way when we post new podcasts, again, new vlogs, new live streams, or have church events, you'll be updated and know what's going on here at Encounter. As we said before, thank you so much. We're so glad to have you with us, and we look forward to you being a part of the podcast next week.